We're back on this episode with a lot more on cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and even the blockchain, the digital platform which makes all this happen. Cryptocurrency is never far from the business news headlines for many investors. Cryptocurrency has been a bloodbath and while there is some positive stirrings in the marketplace, investors and ordinary consumers have many questions more to ask. On this episode, we have a Wall Street veteran who will tell us where we are now in the cryptocurrency universe, from the good to the bad, to the need for laws and more regulations to protect investors. My guest coming up is Pat Lavecchia. He's the CEO of Oasis Pro Markets, the first US regulated alternative trading system or ATS authorized to allow its subscribers to trade digital or blockchain securities and make payments for those digital securities in digital cash. Bitcoin. Bitcoin's going to be volatile for some time. I believe it's a store of value. I believe it's here to stay. You believe it's a store of value, Pat? That's interesting. I do. I do. Because, you know, I look at gold. If I buy gold, I actually never see gold, right? But I believe it's a store of value. Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. I hope you're all well. We have a great show coming up with Pat Lavecchia. He's the CEO of Oasis Pro Markets, the first US regulated ATS authorized to allow its subscribers to trade digital blockchain securities. Now, much of the news on cryptocurrencies is enough to make any average investor skittish with a host of lawsuits against firms and operators in the cryptocurrency space in this stable coin universe and the like. You've had Coinbase under investigation for allegedly listing seven cryptocurrencies as securities. A story recently by CNN reported how the price of Bitcoin and other top cryptocurrencies have been more than cut in half this year. Now the great crypto crash of 2022 is crushing leading digital asset brokerage firms Coinbase and Robinhood too. According to the CNN story, there's been mass layoffs in the space and it's not pretty. I remain a cryptocurrency skeptic and this show does not make investment recommendations. One of the great parts of this crypto story is the blockchain that supports it. Pat Lavecchia of Oasis Pro really explains this very eloquently. You won't want to miss that because one of my concerns about the crypto universe is simply the policing of cryptocurrencies and all the platforms out there. In my mind, that's got to be a nightmare for regulators. Pat Levecchia spells it all out. He welcomes regulation and has a broad grasp too of where the globe may be headed in the coming years, especially with China deep into the crypto or digital currency space. China is heading in this direction. Now, the concern is a digital yuan could surpass the US dollar as the world currency, right? It could be a reserve currency. Yes, absolutely. We'll have more in a wee moment from Pat Levecchia, CEO of Oasis Pro Markets, a US regulated ATS permitted to trade digital securities. Before our interview with Pat Levecchia, it's time for our weekly Future Shock 2.0 segment with labor force expert Ira Wolf. Ira Wolf, welcome back to Future Shock 2.0. There's an amazing phenomena out there. Cities can't find enough workers. They can't fill vacancies in the police force, in the paramedic units, uh, firefighting units. What's happening? Yeah, this is really shocking and troubling because now we're talking about our safety, our security, uh, things that we depend on. You know, if we go to fast food and, you know, we go to the local diner down the street and they close early or they're short staffed or we go to a retail store, or grocery store and they're out of something. Those are inconveniences. When we're talking about our safety, this is a problem. There was a, a story recently that I followed and then dug deeper into this. Uh, and if you look at the city of Philadelphia and they're one of the worst cities for this, Los Angeles. Angeles is also struggling, but 
smaller cities, Kansas City, Portland, every, everybody's struggling with. Just in Philadelphia, these numbers are shocking. 4,000 budgeted positions are unfilled. So even with the recession, if they cut back on their budget and they don't need all these people, uh, and they, but these are, are these are everyday positions that we're going to need if you're if you're living in Philadelphia or cities. Four thousand positions are unfilled. Seven hundred vacancies in their fire department. One in five positions. Four hundred vacancies in the police department. Plus, there's hundreds are off duty due to injury. One hundred and ninety five police retired last year. That's double, twice the pace of five years ago. Um, they added the police department, despite the fact that they lost 195 people due to retirement and they have hundreds of people off due to injury. Last year's class, 41 recruits. It was the first class in over two years. There is no graduating class of firefighters or paramedics for more than a year and a half. Parks and Recreation has 170 vacancies. Licenses and inspection lost half of their building inspectors to private industry. The courts are losing court reporters and, and clerks faster than they can hire them. Employee separations are up 30%, and 11% of their workforce resigned or retired last year. Extraordinary. We should come back to this segment again sometime, Ira. I suspect there's a lot going on here, demographic, political, social, um, pandemic issues. We'll come back to it. It's, it's fascinating and it's actually shocking. That was Ira Wolf, and you can catch him on his own popular podcast, Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. Listeners, I want to also remind you of a superb and top-rated podcast. It's called Odeon Capital Conversations with Dick Beauvais of Odeon Capital Group and Matt Van Alstein of Odeon. He's the co-founder and managing partner and also with yours truly. Odeon Capital Conversations covers all things money and markets and the latest episode looks at the most recent numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics on the employment numbers in the US. We take those numbers apart and add a large dose of skepticism. You can get the inside on all of this on Odeon Capital Conversations, on Apple, Google, Spotify, and on all the great platforms. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. My guest is Pat Lavecchia. He is a Wall Street veteran, as they say, and is the CEO of Oasis Pro, a U.S. regulated alternative trading system permitted to trade digital or blockchain securities such as the array of cryptocurrencies and it's permitted to make payments for these digital securities in digital cash. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Pat, welcome to my show. John, it's a real pleasure being here. Uh, very excited about uh, the topics at hand today. So thank you for the invitation. It's all my pleasure. Uh, we've covered Bitcoin, crypto, quite a bit uh, on recent episodes. So I'm excited about coming back to talk to a real pro. Not that some of my other guests are not real pros, but you have a very distinct take on crypto and Bitcoin. And you run what is known as an ATS, an alternative trading system. So that makes it really interesting to me because... You have to get FINRA approval. You have to get approved by the regulators. There's been a lot happening in crypto and Bitcoin and the token space um, all year. And it came in for a rap, a bad rap, when crypto plunged in value this year. And then a lot of people and investors were sort of scratching their head and the alarm bells went off. Um, now we see a little bit of a comeback on the markets on bitcoin crypto and all the tokens out there so maybe things will take a more positive spin before we get into all of that tell us about your marketplace tell us about your ats tell us what you do and who your customers are 
So my background is 25 plus years investment banking, finance, uh, large firms, Bear Stearns, now JP Morgan, and Credit Suisse, where I uh, ran private equity placements globally. I ran capital markets for First Horizon. Uh, and uh, just um, moving forward from that, about five years ago, was introduced to crypto, and I was a skeptic. And uh, when I discovered and this took me about a year, I was a bit of a slow learner, that crypto and blockchain weren't the same thing. Um, that's when the light bulbs went off in terms of my finance background. And, uh, you know, fast forward to where we are today. I, I merged with a DeFi platform called MakerDAO. So DeFi is uh, basically finance on the blockchain. And uh, and it, it, it's basically a lending pool. And, and that's why blockchain is so exciting in crypto. That, and that's, again, as I said earlier, how uh, the light bulbs went off. So crypto, we can talk about that, Bitcoin, et cetera, where it's going, why there's plunges, why it's going to be a choppy road. But the Bitcoin cryptos, in my opinion, CBDCs are the future. Um, maybe in 10 years, it'll be ubiquitous, but it, we're certainly heading there. And I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, examples of that. But blockchain itself and our ATS is really the very exciting. So this is an evolution of technology, not a revolution. It's on the public blockchain. There's all these benefits um, of utilizing blockchain, which is basically a ledger. Just think of it as a ledger. It's immutable. So it can't be changed. If someone needs to reverse um, a transaction, they actually have to put another ledger item in rather than go back and delete that particular transaction. There's an entire record and it lowers costs. It's instantaneous. We'll give you examples of that. It's perfect data, zero counterparty risk um, in, in regards to what's called an atomic swap, which basically means uh, for your audience, that that transition occurs simultaneously. So blockchain for capital markets makes a, a whole heck of a lot of sense, right? There's T plus two right now for equities. That's um, settlement date is two days after the transaction. With blockchain, you can do that instantaneously. So our primary marketplace allows for an issuer, so someone raising capital to accept Bitcoin through a what's called a self-custodial wallet or a, or fiat, uh, you know, from a bank, self-custodial wallet could hold Bitcoin, could hold ETH, it could hold what are called stable coins. Think of them as, in in simple terms, backed by the dollar. So a, a crypto equivalent of the dollar, like USDC. Um, and then there are others out there with algorithmic collateral backing, like Dai. Um, but not to get into that that detail, but it's kind of cool. You're an issuer. You're like, hey, I'll accept Bitcoin. I'm raising $100 million. I'll accept Bitcoin. You have Bitcoin, John. Instead of converting your Bitcoin into fiat, into US dollars, and then funding it to me, so there's a cost there, you can actually transact um, over the blockchain instantaneously to fund that particular raise. That's what our marketplace is. So it's for initial raises. Think of it as private placements. Now, secondary trading. So there's this huge market of private uh, transactions, real estate, uh, equities, fixed income, structured products. We estimate it's a, over a $400 trillion market. I think it's pretty well known. It completely dwarfs the current public markets. But there, it's very difficult to liquidate your positions. So in, if you invest in a venture capital fund, you invest in a real estate project, you're taking the hook for three, five, 10 years. Uh, uh, um, and, and, and there's not a perfect um, liquidation feature there. So you invest in commercial properties, anything with yield, typically in the private markets, um, we believe could be very attractive um, utilizing our alternative trading system. That's the secondary marketplace you referred to earlier. So we, uh, you mentioned FINRA and the SEC. It wasn't just FINRA, but FINRA and the SEC. We went through that uh, process, which you know is very detailed, very difficult, time-consuming, and uh, received what is called a digital 
security, digital asset security, um, alternative trading system license. And that'll allow us, along with, we also got registered for digital cash or digital securities, which means not only in the primary issuance, you have a wallet and you can utilize Bitcoin to uh, fund a uh, investment opportunity. We can actually transact with Bitcoin with a digital security, a stable coin with a digital currency uh, security. CBDCs, when they become available, CBDCs are central bank digital currencies issued by um, by uh, governments. Um, they're in process. There's and not- we can talk about that in a moment because yep. that's fascinating to me. So you can transact. I'll get again. I'll give you some examples here. So you invest in a in a fund. Let's say it's a well known um, it's a well known um, uh, private fund, KKR or Apollo or these well known names out there in the private equity world. So you're an investor. You're an LP. You would like some type of liquidity. You may want to um, yeah, diversify out of a commitment that you might have. So if we take that fund, we put it on an ATS like ourselves with uh, with an order book. An order book means you can see all the bids and asks, very similar to uh, uh, public securities, and you'll have the opportunity to liquidate it. Now, it's a very illiquid market today, but with the blockchain technology, it's it's much less expensive than the previous technologies that have been put in place. Also, with the utilization of what are called smart contracts, which is where the securities, the, the security token incorporates a smart contract, all the data or metadata associated with that issuer is, is uh, readily available. So, you know, in terms of due diligence and et cetera, filings, that would all be tied to that smart contract, which today you don't have. You have, you know, in the public securities, you have a ticker and you have certain information provided and you typically have to go and hunt hunt through SEC filings, et cetera. Now, with the smart contract, all that uh, pertinent data that is required in order to make an investment decision will be there, um, which is very exciting. Now, for private securities, that's even more exciting because that's very difficult to get that information, that metadata. So with blockchain, it's all in one Think of it as security token. That that's what we uh, define it as, and um, it should make the regulators, um, from a vision standpoint, this is our vision. The regulators, and from a compliance standpoint, a, a much um, more transparent uh, market in regards to uh, all the information is out there. And again, you have an immutable record, so this isn't anonymous like crypto is today. In, in regards to a lot of the transactions that take place, um, everything needs to be KYC AML'd. We're heavily regulated. All that information is readily available. So that's on the front end. And then on the back end, every transaction, even failed transactions that occur on our ATS are reported to the regulator. Chairman Gensler's very focused on this market. Um, it's still very, you know, somewhat gray in regards to where it's heading. Um, but in five to 10 years, uh, it's going to be ubiquitous, in my opinion. Now, that's blockchain. We're not really talking about crypto. But the benefits of blockchain, as I so, said earlier, perfect data, smart contracts, right, in terms of the underlying issuer, lower costs, uh, utilizing the blockchain technology, increased safety. So um, remember with um, AMC, and, uh, you know, some of the other um, stocks where there was a trading halt due to the fact that settlement times, they, there's this period of settlement times, and there were uh, many orders coming in. That wouldn't occur once it gets to transaction plus zero, settlement yeah. time plus zero. That won't occur because that counterparty risk is basically reduced to almost zero. Faster payments, blockchain away from our ATS, um, a you know, I invest in companies on a personal basis, some of which are outside the U.S. So right now, if you wanted to wire money to an entity family in Poland, for instance, yeah. you use the SWIFT network. The SWIFT network can take anywhere between five and 10 days in regards to when you initiate the transaction to delivery 
of the monies. In regards to utilizing blockchain, utilizing a stable coin, as I said earlier, or Bitcoin or ETH, but again, a, let's assume a stable coin like USDC, dollar for dollar, backed by dollar, you can you could send um, those monies over the blockchain from, let's say, a Coinbase account mm -hmm. to uh, a wallet in Poland. And that transaction time, regardless of size, would take anywhere between a couple of minutes to 10 minutes. I'm going to stop you there, though, Pat. Uh, I, I, presumably and obviously, it's verified that everything is good on both sides of that transaction. Um, that's probably explains the two, three day lag with Swift. But is there any danger with that? It's so fast. If the, if the sender says, oh, geez, I think I screwed up here. There's those kind of issues. Sure. Uh, you know, that happens, uh, you know, incorrect wire information that happens in TradFi, traditional finance as well. Um, yes, that's an issue. Um, eventually, from a UI perspective, that'll all go away because this is cryptography, right? So they, these wallet addresses are quite long. And um, I know as a habit, I, I go over it two or three times before I send anything yeah. um, just from a to be extra cautious. But eventually, uh, yes, so you could lose. So if I was sending something to you, even locally or overseas, and I had the wrong address, it's going to be pretty difficult to get that those monies back um, because, because, again, I approved it, I sent it, right? So, but there's not a hack issue there. That's more of an inaccuracy in regards to the input of the data. Mm -hmm. But again, I, where we're heading is from a UI perspective, once you go to our primary or secondary marketplace, it'll be very similar to going to Charles Schwab, Stanley, or Goldman Sachs. The, the user interface is the same. So it's the underlying technology that's what is... And, and the underlying technology being blockchain. Eventually, and, and we could talk a bit about this, the big players are getting involved. NASDAQ, NYSE, have spent a lot of time on the blockchain and uh, they've got teams working on this. So eventually this will be in public equities. Um, we're focused on structured products because we believe that anything with yield can benefit from the blockchain quite easily from an issuer standpoint. And then there could be savings for the underlying investors as well. So as, as an example, um, we, we did a strategic raise recently. We announced it in May. So we had a combination of traditional finance firms as well as DeFi firm, uh, or, or crypto firm. Um, some of the crypto firms included um, Invinium. They included um, um, Anchorage, which is a level one protocol uh, on top of Ethereum, on top of that Ethereum blockchain, and uh, a whole host of other really great partners. We also had traditional firms like Miray Asset Management. Miray is one of the, is the largest uh, family of funds in Korea. So they're over seven hundred billion in assets under management, and their interest is moving funds from the traditional um, system over to the blockchain. So that, you know, they made a, an investment in us. Also, we had Redwood Trust. Redwood Trust is one of the largest residential mortgage-backed security issuers in the world, based mm -hmm. here in the United States. And their interest is, again, to take these RMBS issuances that they do on a regular basis and move them over to the blockchain. And they estimate their savings could be as high as 20 to 30 basis points. So on a um, billion dollar issuance, that's could be, you know, two, um, two to uh, $3 million R regarding the savings of utilizing the blockchain rather than a third party vendor that needs to double check who the holders are, that needs to double check wire information, that needs to double check all the verification because with Digital to digital trading, which is what we have on our ATS, digital wallet to digital wallet, all that information is readily available. So that's pretty significant for an issuer. Again, anything with yield, you have these savings on the back end 
so that's what's so exciting, you know, yeah. beyond the reasons that I already shared yeah. with you. So, so, so the way you laid it out, very interesting. There, there are really two parts to all of this. There's the blockchain, which is not going away. It sounds to me like blockchain is the next generation digital platform, if you will, on Wall Street and across the globe. It's not going away. And that crypto and Bitcoin sort of piggybacked on blockchain. Would I be correct? Well, uh, there would be no crypto without blockchain. Mm -hmm. And uh, with what occurred with crypto, um, uh, I'm not sure that blockchain technology would be where it is today. So the two have worked closely together, the two focuses, to allow us to now separate them and focus on blockchain from a tech standpoint. And then we can talk about crypto as well. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork. Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen. By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. My guest is Pat Lavecchia. He is a Wall Street veteran, as they say, and is the CEO of Oasis Pro, a US-regulated alternative trading system permitted to trade digital or blockchain securities such as the array of cryptocurrencies, and it's permitted to make payments for these digital securities in digital cash. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. I, I think what... Um confuses and makes some investors, um, retail investors included, and maybe primarily skittish, is the volatility in crypto and Bitcoin. When you see a 70% plunge in value, and also the fact that there were all these negative headlines this year and scandals and lawsuits and so on, it was a bloodbath. Yes. So um, that's not going away. There was just news over the last day or so. Uh, Solana, which is a layer one protocol, was hacked. And I believe over 8,000 accounts have been drained of their holdings. So this will continue. But that being said, uh, I know your background in traditional finance, my background in traditional finance. This has happened in traditional finance, even with the regulatory regime. Um, for decades, you know, there are always uh, issues that come up. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin's going to be volatile for some time. I believe it's a store of value. I believe it's here to stay into the future. You, you believe it's a store of value, Pat? That's interesting. I do. I do. Because, you know, I look at gold. If I buy gold, I actually never see gold, right? But I believe it's a store of value. In regards to artwork, um, when we buy artwork, um, you know, if there's if there's demand, if there's a, a buyer, um, that's a market right there. So uh, I believe there is a, a, a growing community viewing Bitcoin as a store of value. And then medium of exchange, unit yeah. of account, does it fit all those criteria, the uh, standard definition of, of money? No, I don't think so. Uh, I view Bitcoin to me is more of a commodity. Mm. Rather than a, uh, and, and frankly, I view, except for stable coins, which have a currency aspect because they're backed by fiat, so that's some of them. Um, I believe other cryptos are securities. Many are securities. That's the issue with here in the US, frankly, in other parts of the world as well, regarding which are securities, what are utilities, right? Um, I believe ETH, for instance, is a utility. Uh, and I'll explain why ETH, ETH, which is Ethereum, which is that blockchain that we uh, refer to. Ethereum has many apps built on it. I mentioned Anchorage. I mentioned Solana, and it's not tens uh, you know, or hundreds; it's thousands. So I view Ethereum as a utility um, and uh, a really interesting uh, opportunity from an investment standpoint, in a way. Um, because it's, it's sort of a, an opportunity to invest in the Apple um, App Store, you know, as an example. So those two, I think, are very distinct. 
those two offered um, Bitcoin and ETH. But but I don't view crypto. I know they're all called now cryptocurrencies. I think that's a misnomer. And there are many different categories that we could talk about. But you mentioned volatility. The volatility is here to stay for some time because this is a growing market. Think back to the internet days yeah. and all these scams on the internet, right? And when the internet started, we, uh, I mean, uh, from a, a public standpoint, right? Because it had been in place for decades prior um, through DARPA, et, et cetera. But when the internet started, it was basically another news news uh, medium for us. We would go there for news. And then uh, it started growing from that. Uh, then email started, you know, and you, ha- you had to make less calls. And then and then the iPhone came and then it became even more ubiquitous, right? So we're still at the early days for crypto. So those major moments for crypto, in my opinion, are still to come, similar to what occurred with the internet uh, back back in the in uh, in the day, but but we're not there at this point in time. So Bitcoin's going to be very volatile. So my advice, again, this is my opinion, not our firm, but my opinion is that you you know there's um, if I was an investor, I would just make small investments. Primarily, if I really don't want to dive deep in this crypto world, Bitcoin and ETH, they're here to stay. And make small investments, sort of average over time, right? Um, dollar cost averaging, it, you know, is the term used here in the U.S. And ignore the price, because the price will go up. As you said, there's been a, you know, a, a bit of a rebound. My view is that when I got involved in uh, in this space, I thought uh, cryptos, for the most part, were a hedge. Uh, the stock market, for instance world currencies, inflation, et cetera. And then over the last couple of years, uh, that hasn't been the case. Basically, they all trade in line. It, you know, yeah. if the market drops, uh, cryptos drop. I think that's more of a reality of where we are today. And um, so I, I think over the next six months, I mean, are it is there a global recession? Is the U.S. in recession? You know, that's, that's uh, it, technically, yes. But, you know, in regards to what does that mean for earnings for corporates? Uh, you know, my view is we, we're in for some more bad news. And if we're in for some more bad news, you know, cryptos are going to be hit. And cryptos over the next six to six months, maybe into the first quarter of 2023, are going to be extremely volatile. I'm not quite sure I would uh, invest large chunks of capital. Unless it was uh, invest in and uh, forget about it, uh, but I would invest in small chunks again, Bitcoin and ETH, because I do believe twenty twenty three you're going to see a big spike up um, in uh, in the crypto world. Now, why why am I saying that? Well, again, we briefly talked about what we are. You know, our ATS Oasis Pro Oasis Pro Markets. Two years ago, the large groups, the large banks, bulge bracket banks would speak to us but you know those conversations really didn't go very uh very far uh it was more um it was more educational um the same for the infrastructure players the custodians for instance the large custodians and um you know other infra- infrastructure players in terms of reporting fast forward 2 years today we're speaking to them all they have dedicated groups to this area of blockchain they have to, right now what they're really uh, focused on in terms of what I call building the rails is Bitcoin and ETH because institutions are demanding that from them. So that's the difference. Two years ago it was educational. They're not. They haven't been moving into the space because of the retail demand. They're moving into this space, dedicating teams due to the institutional demand. The next step with the regulatory regime becoming clearer, will be digital security. Just to get some numbers on this, Bitcoin is the uh, largest digital asset um, of all the cryptos. And of course, that's the one that took the big hit. What's the total market cap of the crypto uh, market, Pat? Well, at its height, it was about $3 trillion. Uh, right now, it's, I believe, a little over, a, a little under a trillion. 
Now, overall, it's an alternative asset class, however you define that. And within that, there are cryptocurrencies. You said it might not be the best term for it, um, but some of them may actually act as currencies, right? In that you could take those coins and use it for many transactions, presumably. Yeah, well, you could use any crypto for a transaction. For our particular ATS, stablecoins, CBDCs, Bitcoin, and ETH. We are comfortable there. I'm not sure we're going to expand that list. But if you own, um, let's say, Maker, MakerDAO, uh, that I referred to earlier, the Maker token, and you wanted to, um, as long as it was being accepted, right? Uh, like Tesla started accepting Bitcoin and then pulled. It depends on the uh, the other, you know, the other end of the uh, potential transaction. Yeah, I, utilizing the blockchain, any crypto can be transacted with any other crypto if the seller accepts it. Yeah, that's the key thing here. But and I've asked this of, of others, and apparently it's happening uh, on the state level. You can't use um, crypto or Bitcoin to pay Uncle Sam your taxes, right? But apparently some states now will accept yeah, absolutely. Florida, Miami is doing that uh, right now. There are several others, I believe, in Illinois and some other jurisdictions as well. Um, yeah, I just wondering, is there a risk for them after taking? Sure. <laughs> it's a big risk because we just said it's volatile. So then it's a risk issue. So do they accept it and immediately convert it? Okay, so it's an immediate conversion. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know what their plans are. Some may... Um, you know, take the approach that uh, they would accept it and hold it for a bit of time yeah. uh, based on their views. But I think the wise thing would be to, you know, accept it and then convert it into uh, some type of fiat or eventually CBDC. Now, when I think of crypto and, and I've listened to experts like you lay it all out so eloquently and talking to others, uh, one of the things that occurs to me is that really all of this also started leaving aside the blockchain, which is a critical part of this, the, you know, the backbone, if you will, sort of like a political statement and almost like an anti-government statement, at, 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 you know, during the financial crisis of 07, 08, and the world was coming apart, we, we risked having a Great Depression, and there were many folks out there and very wealthy people and not so wealthy people were worried about their money, and then somebody came up and, well, we'll have... We'll, have this DeFi, you know, decentralized finance. I mean, that's also the origins of crypto. It's kind of a political statement. Absolutely. And and that's what's, uh, they're deemed the old guard, OGs, or, yeah. uh, or the maximalists, the Bitcoin maximalists, or crypto maximalists. That, that was the, um, the, uh, the anti-government fervor is what started this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's fascinating because, you know, I just described institutions, large, well-known institutions, bulge brackets now coming into it. And, um, and there are still maximalists uh, and um, anti-government views, widely uh, shared uh, views on, uh, on forums, et cetera, and, and uh, in investors in this whole crypto space. Um, but it's becoming institutionalized. Yeah, so the way it's going now, you mentioned regulation and the government and FINRA, you know, stepping in and dotting the I's, crossing the T's, um, and the fact that you can pay even some of your local taxes in some states. You mentioned several things there, which uh, raises several questions. The central banks entering this space, are they moving in on territory and pushing at the old players? Is that what they're thinking is well you know i think it's 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 frankly a bit of um you know 1984 and big brother in a way <laughs> yeah. uh you know to be you know frank um it's um you know it's basically utilizing again this blockchain utilizing the the impact it can have in terms of um movement of uh, of currencies in a very, very expeditious manner versus today. Um, it also would allow um, opportunities. So, so so there's data, there's metadata involved that that the governments could utilize as well. Uh, but that's the direction we're going. 
So right now, we don't carry around our net worth in our pockets, right? It's all electronic. So it's going to be the same thing with CBDCs. The downside is that, um, you know, the governments that issue this, let's say through the Fed, are going to have the opportunity to know exactly what if they wanted to, hmm. what, where John is spending his, yes. his currency or yeah. PAC. And, but that's the direction we're going in. Now, the benefits are... Again, more expeditious transfer of cash. So uh, here in the U.S., uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, an immutable record that if you're receiving uh, benefits from the from the government, uh, unemployment, Social Security, uh, Medicare, et cetera, those funds would be instantaneously delivered to you, utilizing the blockchain to a wallet that you've provided or that the government may provide for you. When I say a wallet, it's electronic, right? So um, so there, there's a lot of benefits there. Um, when there were, um, during the Great Depression and uh, the downside, there was, uh, you know, movement of money issues in regards to who needed it, how quickly to get it to the... Yeah. You, especially the underserved, um, the financially underserved. So this would be a huge benefit to to them as well. The downside is, again, all that data will be um, similar to what's occurred with DNA matches. Yeah. I'll use that example that that now that it's in the um, the internet sphere, all that information is could be hacked, could be available. Um, but but it seems like the newer generations are less concerned about sharing their data. And uh, a lot of what has occurred in crypto is, in my opinion, generational as well. When we talk about the government entering into crypto, I mean, in this, well, in reality, we have digital, we've had digital transactions on Wall Street in our, you know, through our banking system, and through our credit cards, um, and through all other kinds of transactions. So, how is this actually different? Is it the speed, the blockchain, um, instant transfer? Is that the distinction here? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It, so the UI needs to get better, the user interface. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say digital, you know, yes and no, it's electronic, uh, it, different technology. So really what we have today is not precisely digital. It's more electronic than digital. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But again, the user interface, there'll be all these benefits. Um, we talk about, we, we haven't really touched upon DeFi. We've mentioned it, but think of it as peer-to-peer lending um, opportunities. If you have a crypto, eventually it'll be real world assets as well. But if you have a crypto like um, like Bitcoin um, here and you don't want to sell it, uh, you can actually borrow against it at a very, very low interest rate today. So if you have uh, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, you could go to a platform, a lending platform like Maker or, or some of these other compound Ave, and you could, you could uh, using that as collateral, borrow $5,000, for instance. Now, what would occur is if, crypt, if that Bitcoin price drops 40%, just as a number, mm-hmm. they may liquidate your position immediately, right? To protect the the uh, that DeFi platform, but you you know you you don't have to go to a bank, you don't have to like fill out uh, application forms, you, you don't have to have a KYC AML check on you. You can actually take crypto and borrow against it as well, which is really intriguing, right? All, yeah, uh, yeah. it's fascinating, and there's you know there are so many permutations um, arise from all of this. Uh, it's separate and yet it's not are we moving to a cashless society with the advances in blockchain and what you just laid out there now oh absolutely so um cbdc's i I believe china will be the first major power to move heavily into cbdc's i i I, you know based on the research i've done they started in, in early 2013 uh, regarding uh, the CBDC opportunities here in the U.S., it wasn't even on the radar, at least from a public standpoint. Um, they've done at least five betas in cities with um, populations in excess of 10 million people and, uh, you know, to work out the kinks. Um, but uh, China is heading in this direction. Now, the concern is a digital yuan could surpass the U.S. dollar as the world currency. 
right? It could be a reserve currency. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that's a risk. And, and that's why here in the U.S., uh, from the legislatures down in Congress, they're starting to focus on this area because it could be a, you know, a, a weaponization. Um, not to say China would do that, but... but well, it's a stark reminder, a wake-up call. Exactly. Exactly. How exactly would that work, Pat? Is because it would be so ubiquitous and there was so much volume of transactions. Uh, merchants would want to do their trading in this digital one. Yeah, because, um, again, the examples of blockchain I gave earlier, right? Perfect data, zero counterparty risk, lower cost in terms of uh, uh, transaction, um, faster payment. I mean, that's just on the surface. Wow. Amazing. Um, so the no, U.S. will get there. Yeah, well, not surprisingly, then, uh, the U.S. is also trying to move quickly on a central bank digital currency. Where is that at? When will we see some something rolled out? Great question. I, I mean, there seems to be a lot of um, malaise down in D.C. in regards to getting uh, important. Recently, some some very terrific opportunities have occurred, but we have an upcoming election. You know, uh, unlike other, and, and this isn't a political statement, it's just reality. Every two years, uh, it's difficult to build a long-term strategy when every two years power can shift in yeah. terms of, uh, you know, uh, perspectives, Republican versus Democrat. So, um, you know, I, I don't think I, the Fed has come out with research papers that any of your listeners can look up. Yeah. Uh, I believe the most recent was uh, earlier this year. Um, so there's a lot of work being done in this space. Um, I can't predict when, uh, but, um, you know, I would say sometime in this decade, uh, I, what I, I would hope it could be to the latter part of the decade, but, and it will probably be a trial, like a beta, similar to what China's done over the last three years, three or four years in regards to a small, uh, you know, a, um, a, a small rollout. And then, you know, if it, if it makes sense and roll it out, um, uh, to the entire nation, but yeah, it absolutely. I mean, uh, it, we're we're moving in the direction of a um, you know of uh, removing uh, paper um, paper money, paper currency. Yeah, anybody on Wall Street is clearly paying attention to this. It's just it's inevitable the way blockchain, crypto, and so on. Um, but there are lots of skeptics out there, and they will remain skeptics. And you said in a previous interview, um, some of the skeptics consider it compare it to tulip mania of old um and they will never be convinced perhaps otherwise yeah i was there yeah. <laughs> i i was definitely of that belief um and again you know crypto and blockchain when i separated the two i started really understanding the tech and then the benefits of crypto it allowed me to spend more time on it um yeah i i do think it's generational as i said earlier i i do think that um you know, uh, I'm not quite sure what the moniker is, but, um, you know, uh, private data is not as important to the newer, newer, ge younger generations yeah. versus the older generations. Uh, speed is very important, uh, in a, you know, from a lifestyle standpoint, you know, they've embraced this. A quick word on Oasis. Your customers are who? Well, we're approved for institutional. So all any so institutional is a qualified purchaser from five million dollars mm -hmm. all the way to what QIBs over a hundred million dollars. Yep. So all institutions. We're approved for accredited investors as well, retail, and also broker dealers through their underlying clients. So uh, both here in the U.S. and foreign as well. So foreign that meet our KYC AML requirements from a because we we do a full KYC AML on on uh, the the entity the individual um, and and we do AML checks as well and we can actually uh, with wallets since we are able to utilize digital wallets we do AML checks on the uh, the digital wallets and you're based where so we're we're based in in the uh, U.S. Uh, in the New York metropolitan area we're in Darien Connecticut which is about 40 minutes outside it's a this whole area is full of um, a lot of talent from a Wall Street, but also a tech standpoint. So it was uh, it was an ideal location for us. And how large are you, Pat, overall in terms? Can you give us any numbers, size of number of accounts, assets, and so on? 
Yeah, we don't share that, but we believe uh, by the end of the year, um, we'll have uh, at least a billion of assets on our ATS or through our primary marketplace in, um, in aggregate. It could be a lot larger than that. And just again, just for perspective, if, if you can share this, how do you compare with the other players out there? Or are you in a different category like the Robin Hoods and some of the other platforms? Sure. Uh, we're, uh, we're not, we're not in- engaging in public securities, what's called nationally market listed securities. So NASDAQ, NYSE, Robinhood, Charles Schwab, they're not competitors at all. We're focused on the uh, private securities. So, such as equities, debt, structured products, funds, <clears throat> and utilizing the blockchain technology. So we, while we do have competitors out there, it's very nation. The industry is very uh, young. T0, uh, that some of your listeners may be familiar with, yep. was approved about eight years ago. And they've been in this market for about eight years. We're a much later player. But the market is just catching up now. So regulation, uh, not only here in the U.S., but um, on a global basis, has has been very slow in this arena, but it's starting to move very quickly. So I, I'd like to think we're set apart and our timing was uh, very good in that perspective, from that perspective, because uh, we're seeing a lot of movement that, you know, over the, the previous eight years, honestly, there hasn't been very much before uh, uh, 2022. So you embrace regulation and oversight by the regulators. Absolutely. That's- yeah, a- absolutely. I'm, a, a, you know, my background's uh, investment banking, Wall Street. That that's the life I live. That's the life you live, uh, or that you're familiar with mm-hmm. as well. It's all about regulation. It just makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, we also believe that most of the tokens being traded right now are securities um, on a, that are trading on a global basis and that eventually the regulators will deem them such. Pat has been a fascinating interview and thank you for being on my show. We'll catch up again. I, I look forward to it, John. Thank you very much. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.